ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 20 of the Fantasy Law Guy podcast. I'm Nick Garisco at Fantasy Law Guy on Instagram and Twitter. Today's episode, key targets for rounds three and four. Hakeem dropped the ball! Hakeem dropped the ball! He did what? Playoffs? We'll talk about playoffs. Who the hell is Mel Kiper? They are who we thought they were. We let him off the hook. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. What the hell's going on out here? Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep attriculating the ball down the field, boy. I saw, son. I saw. Hello? You play to win the game. Last episode, episode 19 of the Fantasy Law Guy podcast, I discussed early round targets, round one and two on my draft board. That is on fantasylawguide.com. It's on the left side of the page. It's called the Fantasy Law Guide. You can click on that to see my draft board. And in the last episode, I explained how my top six is all running backs, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry, Clyde Edwards-Elair. And then I professed my love for Josh Jacobs as the seventh overall player on my board. He's the he's my guy in the latter half of round one. And I explained why I also view Michael Thomas and Dalvin Cook as more of second round picks rather than first rounders. And I talked about how I had a first round grade on Joe Mixon before there were rumors that he may hold out. And the good news is that he reportedly is sitting out of camp due to migraines and not his displeasure with his contracts and the negotiations or lack thereof. But I am still a little concerned, so I'm not moving him back up to 8th overall where I had him when the guide was published, but I've cautiously placed him at pick 10 overall and preferably early in round 2, even behind Devontae Adams. And the strategy I'm going for near the turn with a late pick is trying to wind up with you know, maybe both Josh Jacobs and Joe Mixon, and that's an optimal start in my opinion, as long as Mixon doesn't hold out, because going RBRB, that start is very advantageous this season. I think you can pull it off with Kenyon Drake. Boy, I'm really starting to dislike the Drake. Hate the Drake. And Miles Sanders, though they are a little riskier. But for now, I'd prefer Devontae Adams in PPR formats over all of them, including Mixon. And Adams is my number one receiver, just a hair above. Michael Thomas, and I explained why that is in my last episode. I also planted my flag on George Kittle, who I think is going to have a monster season. And I also explained why I think it's crazy that Julio Jones is not the consensus wide receiver three. And like some sites and experts have Tyreek Hill and DeAndre Hopkins over Julio Jones, which I think is absolute madness. And finally, you know, in the event that both the elite tight ends, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Julio Jones Julio, get the stretch. are off the board late in round two. You know, I'm comfortable taking Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson near that round two, three turn. So all in all, for rounds one and two of my draft board, which again, you can find on fantasylawguy.com, I have Kittle, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, and Pat Mahomes ranked higher than expert consensus and and head of ADP as well, which means you are most likely to end up with those players in rounds one and two if you're following my draft guide. And particularly, you know, a top six pick 
or a top six running back followed by George Kittle if you land an early pick and probably maybe a Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams start, a Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon start if you wind up with a late pick. And on the other hand, players you certainly won't end up with on your teams if you use my board, Michael Thomas, Dalvin Cook, probably Tyreek Hill, definitely DeAndre Hopkins, definitely Chris Godwin, definitely Aaron Jones, and possibly Austin Eckler. And the last two players are where I'm going to begin today's discussion. Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones, because I'm getting a lot of questions about why I have Eckler and Aaron Jones so low. And I have Eckler at RB13 right now. I moved him up one spot, and he's 20th overall, which is a few spots lower than his ADP, which I feel bad about because I really want to like Austin Eckler. And I actually moved Eckler up to the end of round two because I realized that a scenario existed where all of my second round grades on my draft board were gone at the could be gone at the very end of round two like if round two if all the round two running backs and the elite tight ends Kittle and Kelsey and then Julio Jones and then the elite two quarterbacks Lamar Jackson Pat Mahomes if they were all taken the next play highest player on my board was James Conner who I love and I'll get to in a second he's the first player listed at round three on my board but in an actual draft you would probably be able to get Austin Eckler in that rare scenario late in round two and then draft James Conner in round three anyway which I would really prefer so Eckler is now sitting at 20th overall on my board ahead of Conner and this is a few spots lower than consensus ADP again but I wanted to give readers a chance to draft him and they didn't have that chance when I ranked Conner just ahead of him and now there's a scenario where you can start out with a top six running back, grab Eckler late in round two if he falls, and then grab Connor in round three, which would be an amazing start. So let's talk about James Connor and why I view him so highly and why he is my preferred round three target. Let's get into round three because this is where things start to get really interesting in my draft guide on my draft board. Because my board starts really deviating from like every other set of rankings and all the experts that you'll see online. And this is where you start getting real kind of actionable advice, you know, off the beaten path on players that you may have to reach for, you know, further down in the rankings. And round three is kind of where my board gets really separated from all the groupthink that you see in the expert community and, and really the rankings on all the major platforms. So James Conner at RB14. I have him 22 overall, 22nd overall, and it's one of the boldest stances in my entire draft guide, and especially if you're playing in an ESPN league where his ranking is 47th overall, which I think is just criminal. It's just a really poor ranking. In Yahoo, he is 23rd, but I wanted to keep, I wanted to put Connor in a position where readers were loading up on James Connor on their teams this year. If they could, you know, James Conner is a player who went at the end of first rounds in drafts last year in the early second round. And, and this was after he had a surprisingly awesome RB six points per game finish in, in 13 games in 2018. And Conner let down fantasy managers and they, he let down his team because he had a really frustrating injury plague season where he battled a knee sprain an ankle sprain, a quad strain, AC joint sprain, and quad contusion, all at different points in 2019. 
Connor only managed 60 yards rushing in one game out of 10 games that he played. And yet, if you exclude weeks 11 and 16 where he had early exits like in the first quarter of the games, in the eight games that Connor actually played the majority of the game, so the eight games Connor was healthy, Connor had 105 carries, 422 yards, four touchdowns on 4.0 yards a carry, 36 targets, 33 catches, 245 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. So his rushing and receiving lines were good enough to prorate to over 1,300 total yards and 14 touchdowns over 16 games. If you were to extrapolate his eight healthy games over 16 games, 1,300 total yards and 14 touchdowns. And Connor's 17.46 points per game in PPR in those eight healthy games is RB10 pace. So he's a top 10 running back in points per game for his healthy games, despite playing in one of the league's worst offenses with Big Ben Hurt. So where his starting quarterbacks were Mason Rudolph and Delvin Duck Hodges. And Big Ben is returning, which will open up the entire offense. And the Steelers have a rock-solid offensive line returning four or five starters, and they now have one of the league's best defenses. So we're going to see a lot of opportunity created by their defense, and they're a winning team with positive game scripts, which is great for running backs. And we've already seen Connor be capable of being an every-down back, and we've seen him capable of producing great fantasy numbers on a per-game basis. He was, again, he was RB6 points per game finish in 13 games 2018, and he was RB10 in points per game finished in eight healthy games in 2019. So we know he gets goal line touches there. We know he can catch. And we also, you also may not know this, but Connor is facing the league's second softest schedule against the run per Warren Sharp. And he's kind of a scheduling guru. And I know what you're thinking right now. You know, all these great positives about James Connor. But the big elephant in the room is, you know, can he stay healthy? And it's certainly fair to say that fantasy managers and the Steelers were definitely frustrated by Connor's inability to stay healthy last season. But this offseason, Mike Tomlin, head coach, he dispelled any speculation that the Steelers would reduce Connor's role because he was so injury prone. And he called Connor a featured guy and a proven runner when healthy. And in the same breath, he said that Tomlin himself, he said that he is more of a featured runner type of guy by mentality. He said he's excited about James Conner getting back to full health and displaying that in 2020. So am I. And he also noted that Benny Snell, which is Conner's backup and rightful handcuff, by the way, if you if you do want to secure this backfield and you are worried about Conner's injury history, which you have every right to be. But Benny Snell, Coach Tomlin said that he is capable of being a James Conner guy if James Conner is unavailable. He didn't say anything about an RBBC. He didn't say anything about them Benny Snell spelling James Conner or them sharing the load so James Conner could stay healthy. No. And, and keep in mind that Mike Tomlin is the same coach who rode Willie Parker until the wheels come off. That was his favorite quote there. And he did it. And he gave Le'Veon Bell like 350 touches or, or more like in each season that he was healthy. So, yeah, I'll be the first to admit that Conner is as big of an injury risk as they come in fantasy football. But, but this is a bell cow back. For in, in a great situation. And we're receiving a massive injury discount because the injury risk is already factored into Connor's ADP. That's why he's going so low. That's why he's not a first-round pick in fantasy drafts like he was last summer, despite a situation not really changing at all. And ESPN 
ranks Connor 47th overall, and that's just solely due to his risk of injury. But I'm going to swallow the health risk for a top 10 running back production when he's available. And projecting health in fantasy football, by the way, is a funny thing sometimes because there is a high chance that James Connor, based on his injuries and his playing style, that he is missing time at some point this season. But people were saying the same thing about Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones and Luna Fournette last summer as well. And not only did they all manage to stay healthy, they put up top seven seasons. And Connor could, that is in his range of outcomes. And he's going late in round three, early in round four on ESPN. And what better time to stay healthy than being in a contract year, which Connor is. And we see all the time that all of these players who just get hurt every year, you know, during their contract year, the left, you know, right before they hit free agency, magically they end up staying healthy. So, you know, I'm not saying there's anything to that, but it just it just does seem to happen. So I am smashing the draft button like every time I see Connor in round three. Like he's like automatic for me. And in ESPN, sometimes he'll go in round four, and I just think that that is just totally stealing. But James Connor is my primary target in round three. And I'm ag- aggressively reaching for him in ESPN formats. And in Yahoo, you know, his, where he's ranked 23rd, so it's a little harder to get him. I'm just hoping that he falls, even if I'm at the end of round three. But Connor is my guy for round three in fantasy football this year. I mean, he's ending up on almost all of my teams. So next in round three, I have Aaron Jones, and I'm lower on Jones than pretty much any expert you'll see. And it sucks because I love Aaron Jones' talent, but I think he has a very real potential to disappoint. And I spoke about why that is in my NFC Players to Avoid podcast. I think it was episode 16, but I'll briefly touch on some of the key points here. Aaron Jones is set to see potentially significant touchdown regression. He scored 19 touchdowns last year, and he was phenomenal. He was RB2 last year, but he scored 19 touchdowns. A lot of those touchdowns, I think 11 of them came inside the seven-yard line. And it's just extremely likely, especially now that the Packers drafted 247-pound bruiser A.J. Dillon, who may cut into the goal line role or short yardage role there as the season progresses. But it's just likely even with before they drafted A.J. Dillon that that Aaron Jones was going to lose a lot of touchdowns this year. Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers, is a very run-committed coach, which is great for Aaron Jones. But he's made it very clear that he prefers a running back by committee, that he prefers even a three-way running back by committee. They drafted A.J. Dillon despite having Jamal Williams, despite having Aaron Jones. They drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round when, when everybody and their grandmothers thought that they were going to take a wide receiver. They took their third running back. And this is the same coach who used Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis in tandem in Tennessee. Like he refused to let Derrick Henry eat. And last year, you can make the argument that the only reason Aaron Jones was was fed like a bell cow at some points in the season was because he remained healthy while other Packers stars or, or key players got hurt. For example, when I was game logging, you know, I came up with this stat. You know, Aaron Jones in seven games that he played without either Jamal Williams or Devontae Adams or both. And that was weeks four through eight and 16 and 17. Aaron Jones averaged 25.6 points a game. It was RB2 pace. And in the 11 games that Aaron Jones played with Jamal Williams and at, at Devontae Adams active, that number decreased by nine points a game. He averaged 16.4 
points a game, which is RB12 pace, which isn't bad, but it is concerning when you when you tack on the touchdown regression there, when you tack on that the Packers did go 13-3 and last year, and Vegas has their over-under win total at like 8.5 or 9 wins. So they expect you know more passing, less running this year. And, and when you factor in potentially A.J. Dillon, you know, even if he starts slow, he may be getting short yardage carries by the end of the season. And that's touchdowns are where Aaron Jones made a living off last year. Uh, I think Aaron Jones is going to be good enough to continue having that receiving floor. I think he's going to be the primary receiving back on this team. I don't think Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon really have that skill set. And Aaron Jones is just so good as a receiver. So in PPR formats, I still think you can justify Aaron Jones late in round two. And, and he's so talented. But another potential red flag with Aaron Jones is you got to keep in mind, I just kind of alluded to it earlier when I was talking about how people were, before last season, the reason Aaron Jones wasn't getting fed, and despite all the fantasy analysts wanting him to be used as the workhorse, the reason he wasn't is because he was getting nicked up too often. He was, getting, he was too injury prone to take that bell cow back role. And last year he did manage to stay healthy, but it could be a pendulum. Like We could see him be on the opposite end of that health spectrum next season to where he's not as fortunate because that's how it was in the two seasons prior to his breakout last year. So, so I like Aaron Jones as a player a lot. I just think that there's regression issues and I just don't know if I trust his coach to be using him as that workhorse again now that more people seemingly will be healthy around Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones, to me, you know, I have him as an early third round pick, you know, right behind James Conner. I have James Conner ranked ahead of Aaron Jones. But again, I wouldn't fault you if you do want to take Aaron Jones at the end of round two. And because maybe you can still land James Conner round three anyway. So it's possible I should move Aaron Jones up ahead of Conner like I did with Eckler. But I just... You know, I want my board to be an honest reflection of how I draft. And Yahoo is Connor at 23. So I'd be pretty afraid of not getting Connor in round three in Yahoo drafts. But if I'm sitting at the end of round two, like at a pick 23 or pick 22, and I have my choice between James Connor and Aaron Jones as the best available running backs on my board, and I think that team one is going to take whoever I don't take, you know, he's going to take them at the turn. I would feel more comfortable actually taking. James Conner because I have James Conner ahead of there in that scenario but the reverse is probably true with Austin Eckler with Austin Eckler you know I am more likely to take the risk I'm more likely to take the risk that Conner does fall to round three and if he doesn't that's okay because I view Eckler you know right on board with James Conner if not a little higher definitely in PPR formats now if I'm in a non-PPR league I'd probably take Conner over Eckler but again, you know, you have to make that calculation. I've tried to make that calculation in my draft guide where if you're at the end of round two, you have to see if you can get James Conner in round three anyway. And that, it's kind of a perfect example of how rankings are different than a draft board. Like how, you know, the calculations that go into where I slot players on my draft board consider things like this, consider ADP and the consequences of taking somebody and the opportunity cost of not and et cetera. But yeah, for now, I have Austin Eckler at 20 overall at the end of, of round two. And I have Connor at 22 overall and Aaron Jones at 23 overall. And Eckler, I do want to touch on Austin Eckler before we move on to my other targets in round three. You know, Eckler is somebody that I really wanted 
to like more. Like I, I still do want to like Eckler more because I see potential for a top five running back. Like that's his upside, honestly, in PPR formats because Eckler was a top six running back last year and Melvin Gordon played for 12 games. Like he was splitting work with Melvin Gordon and he was still that valuable in fantasy football. And Eckler without Melvin Gordon in the first four games where Gordon held out and he missed the first four games, Eckler averaged 26.75 points per game. And that was RB2 behind Christian McCaffrey. Even when Gordon returned, Eckler remained valuable, averaging 16.83 points per game. And that was RB12 pace. And I'm sitting here having Eckler at RB13. And now Melvin Gordon plays in Denver. And Eckler's always been hyper-efficient. He's ranked second, first, and third in 2019, 2018, 2017, respectively, in PPR points per snap, according to Scott Barrett. And now, again, Melvin Gordon is gone. Melvin Gordon's a Denver Bronco. So Eckler's obviously due for an increase in snaps and touches this week without, I mean, this year without Gordon. So I can see, obviously, the first round upside, even the top five upside with Austin Eckler. So it, I, it just sucks to rank him so low and to be lower than consensus on this guy uh, because I do think he's a great talent, great talent as well. I love his game. But Eckler, you know, there are some concerns. Eckler is another player who's due for touchdown regression. He had eight receiving touchdowns last year. And it's cool that he has that capability. He's very versatile. But I think we're going to receive, I think we could see a steep decline in receiving production with the quarterback downgrade from Philip Rivers to Tyrod Taylor. And it's not just because Rivers is a better quarterback. It's more than that. It's because Rivers historically has peppered his running backs with just a flurry of targets. I mean, when you look at the history dating back to like LaDainian Tomlinson and and there was Brandon Oliver for that year or two and there was Darren Sproles and there was Melvin Gordon. Even he wasn't a good receiving back out of Wisconsin. Melvin Gordon learned how to be a good receiving back thanks to Philip Rivers' usage of him there and Austin Eckler himself. So Rivers just has always fed running backs with targets, and more so last year when his arm strength has is declined so much to where he just wasn't, or when he was chucking the ball downfield, it wasn't pretty. He was just checking down so often. And Tyrod Taylor, the starting quarterback for the, the Chargers, at least now, he is the opposite playing style. Taylor looks downfield. He's a downfield aggressive thrower far more often than Phillip Rivers. And when his reads aren't there, Taylor uses his mobility to scramble rather than check down the running backs. And even if we assume that Taylor's presence you know, may help Austin Eckler be a more efficient runner, I do worry about Austin Eckler's goal line usage. Eckler did not score a single rushing touchdown after Melvin Gordon returned in week four last season. And, and yes, I know Gordon is gone, but the Chargers, they drafted Josh Kelly. They have Justin Jackson, two bigger backs than Austin Eckler. And, and I'm just not confident the Chargers do trust Eckler completely at the goal line. He's smaller, and he's had fumbling issues there in the past. And, and because of all the changes, quarterback change, maybe a goal line issue, uh, because of all the changes surrounding Eckler's outlook, I'm just a little bit lower than consensus on Eckler. But I do want to put readers in a position to where if he falls in round two, you know, it's in PPR formats, that they can scoop him up. So that's where I have Eckler right now is 20th overall. And again, I wish I could go higher, and maybe I will. 
But yeah, I mean, I'll move on. I mean, that's where I stand on Eckler. So we have Austin Eckler at RB13. We have James Conner at RB14, and he's 22 overall on my board, which is an aggressive stance. And and Aaron Jones right after James Conner. And again, if you're at the end of round two, you may have to make a call on maybe taking Aaron Jones or Austin Eckler if they fall there, maybe taking them first. It depends on how confident you are you can get James Conner in round three which I would feel very confident about in ESPN drafts, but maybe not so much in Yahoo drafts. So that's another factor to consider. So let's move on. Next highest player on my board. And this is another huge surprise along the lines of James Conner, and that is David Johnson. David Johnson, 24th overall on my board. And it's just so easy to forget that David Johnson averaged 20.21 points per game in his first six games last season before he sustained a debilitating back injury that just kind of crippled him for the rest of the season. 20.21 points per game. That was RB3 pace behind Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. First six games. And and there are definitely concerns, just like with James Conner, that David Johnson's back issue, that he is just, you know, washed. And I think that is, again, like Conner, factored into his ADP. That's why he's going in the 40s. And his average draft position is is 45th overall right now. And I have him 20 spots higher. But I'm, I, I'm trying to assume what will happen if David Johnson is healthy. And if he's not healthy, it's not like, you know, you're just screwed. It's not like you're getting zeros at the position every week. You can always replace David Johnson. But I like taking running backs in rounds three and four, even for the rest of the draft, running backs with really high, like top 12 upside. And I think David Johnson has that if he is healthy. Because you have to keep in mind who he's playing for now, the Texans. And the Texans had this controversial, the way he got to Houston is that he had this controversial trade where Bill O'Brien, who's kind of the tyrant of the Texans, traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, basically. And it was extremely controversial, and fans hated him for it. And and all the experts made fun of him. So Bill O'Brien in my opinion, is invested in proving doubters wrong. And I think he'll want to feed David Johnson and let him score touchdowns to show that this guy, you know, to show that he should have made the trade, that it was a good decision. And you can say whatever you want about Bill O'Brien, but he loves feeding his running backs. Arian Foster, Lamar Miller, even Carlos Hyde last year all were used a lot more than experts expected. Carlos Hyde got like 250 carries last year. And, and in fact, the Texans have ranked top 12 in rushing attempts in each of Bill O'Brien's six seasons as head coach of the Texans. And they also return all five offensive line starters, and they have a good and mobile quarterback in Deshaun Watson. And, De- and David Johnson's receiving ability will keep him involved in the passing game when the Texans are trailing because their defense stinks. And Houston also faces the league's third softest schedule against the run per Warren Sharp. Derrick Henry's first. He's got the easiest slate against the run. James Conner second, David Johnson third. So I think David Johnson is a potential workhorse going in round four of drafts because of the stigma that, you know, he's done for. And just because, you know, there's recency bias on, on watching him play last year when he was just not healthy after week six. And even if he has lost a little bit of it, even if he's lost a step based on when he was, you know, three years ago when David Johnson had, I think he finishes the RB1. He scored like 20 touchdowns and had like, you know, almost 2,000 total yards. He finishes the RB1 
like four or five years ago, even if he's lost a step since then, I still think he's in a position to be fed in this offense. And I don't think you can really get a workhorse back in the 40s and later, or even even in round three, like you can with David Johnson. So, And that's kind of a perfect transition to why I have David Johnson so high at 24. It's not like I feel great about taking David Johnson over all these really talented receivers, but the positional value of running back and the extensive depth at wide receiver kind of lends that hand, right? It makes it so where you know we should be valuing these these workhorse running backs, even if we don't know the full extent of their health. We should be valuing that upside, that value over the wide receivers because we can get wide receivers later. So ideally, James Conner, David Johnson, that would wrap up round three. Like and and, and actual actually ideally I'd like to get James Conner in round three and David Johnson in round four. But let's say you only get one. And I've been walking away with one of James Conner or David Johnson in the third round of like all my drafts. I think I've had like five teams so far, and maybe one of them I have not ended up with Connor or David Johnson in round three. It's usually Connor. And, and in one of these drafts, I got James Conner in three and David Johnson in round four because I had taken Julio Jones in round two. But so in most of the scenarios on my board, you're going running back in round one. And whether that's a top six running back or Josh Jacobs or or Joe, whoever. And then you're also going running back in round three if you're following my board, whether it's James Conner or David Johnson. You're likely going running back in round three, unless like somebody like Kittle or maybe Pat Mahomes or Lamar Jackson falls to round three, or or James Conner and David Johnson are gone, which we'll get to in a second. But it's possible you can get David Johnson in round four as well, like I've mentioned. But in round two, you know, that's where you know, the positions kind of mix up. You know, it depends on where you are, who you like. Like you could end up with Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb by using my board. That's if you didn't get Joe Mixon. You could also end up with Joe Mixon easily in round two. Or you could also end up with a non-running back position like Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, George Kittle, or, or maybe even Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. So, so if you picked early in round one, there's actually a strong chance you end up drafting George Kittle at the end of round two and then went James Conner in round three, which is great. I love that start. But this next pick won't apply to you. This next pick applies to teams that have not taken George Kittle because Mark Andrews is my 25th overall player on my board, and I have him like 20 spots ahead of ADP, and I think he is automatic in round four if you don't have George Kittle. And it's okay if you do. Again, I love Kittle this year, as I explained in my last episode. I think he's set up for a monster season. But if you went RB, 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 and then you went, or you went RB, Julio, RB, for example, Mark Andrews is such an amazing option in round four for just so many reasons. And both as a player and from like a strategy standpoint because of all the great receivers you can get in rounds five through seven. And, and a lot of those receivers in rounds five through seven are just as good, if not better, as the ones in rounds three and four, in, in my opinion at least. But here's why I'm so excited about Mark Andrews being on my teams this year. And he's on quite a few of them. I think I have at least 50% exposure to Mark Andrews in my leagues. Mark Andrews last season averaged 14.18 points per game. And that was tight end three pace in 15 games. It was 14 regular season games, you know, excluding an early exit against Buffalo plus one playoff game. So I'm just replacing that Buffalo game with the playoff game that he played in. In in terms of my sample, he was tied in three pace, about 14 points per game. And 
that was really on the back of 10 touchdowns because Andrews led the NFL in, for tight end touchdowns last year with 10. So you may be thinking, oh, yeah, well, he's, he's probably going to lose some touchdowns, right? Yeah, most likely. Most likely he is due for some touchdown regression there. And normally that would make me fade a player or maybe view him a couple of spots lower like it did for Austin Eckler, like it did for Aaron Jones. But amazingly, Andrews posted these numbers, this tight end three in points per game and these 10 touchdowns. He posted these numbers despite playing only 41% of the Ravens offensive snaps last season. I'll repeat that because it's something you just have to grasp. Mark Andrews played only 41%, less than half, of the offensive plays that the Ravens ran last year. Mark Andrews, if you look at his contextualized game log, which is at the second half of my draft guide on fantasylogguide.com, you will notice that he battled various injuries last season and was often just unneeded in second half of games when Baltimore was either letting him nurse an injury or just blowing out its opponents. The Ravens trailed on only 19% of their offensive snaps last season. They were losing. And we can safely expect regression from that standpoint, more passing volume this season. That's one of the reasons I think Lamar Jackson, even if he regresses from the, you know, loses some yards rushing and rushing touchdowns or, you know, his efficiency, he, the Ravens have to pass more this year. So that's one of the reasons, you know, I still like Lamar Jackson to be elite this year. I, I love Mark Andrews. I love Hollywood Brown. But the overall point is we should expect more passing volume this season and, and even further solidifying more usage for Mark Andrews is the fact that Hayden Hurst, their, tight end got, their second tight end, got traded. And that frees up 39 targets and 219 routes run for Mark Andrews, according to Hayden Winks of Roto World. And Andrews has an established rapport with his quarterback. His quarterback is the league MVP in Lamar Jackson. And Andrews is an elite athlete, an elite talent, who could easily enter this Travis Kelsey, George Kittle territory this season with more opportunity. And he's going to get more opportunity. So if I miss out on George Kittle or even Kelsey, I'm aggressively reaching for Mark Andrews, typically securing him in round four. Andrews, you know, is poised to just take the league by storm this year and have like a monster season if he can manage to stay healthy, which has been a little bit of a concern over his career. But I, I love getting Mark Andrews in round four. And I actually have seen him slide to round five in some drafts. And that's just like heaven on earth. So if you can end up with two or three of these players, uh, that is James Conner in round three, David Johnson in round three or four, and Mark Andrews in round four, maybe five. If you can end up with two of, the, two of these three players, I think you're in great shape for the early mid rounds. And if you can come away with all three, I just think you're crushing your draft. But let's say that you took George Kittle in round two and David Johnson and James Conner are gone for your pick in round four. I do want to discuss two wide receivers who may be there. Their ADPs are in late round three. And in my next episode, I'm going to go over that massive tier of wide receivers, like receivers like seven through 25 on my board. All of them are going in like rounds three through seven in normal drafts. But I wanted to explain two, why two receivers stand out to me as a little ahead of the pack. And they stand out kind of as great picks in, in late round three, preferably early round four. If you have George Kittle already, so you don't need Mark Andrews. Or if you have 
uh, or if James Conner and David Johnson and Mark Andrews are all gone. And my first is wide receiver Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen is my wide receiver five. I mean, he's he's only 26th overall on my board, and his ADP is 28. So it's not like, you know, a reaching proposition here, a, a totally bold stance from the grand scheme of things. But you can scan the rest of fantasy football community. You can scan all the experts and all the rankings, and I don't think you'll find one set of rankings who has Adam Thielen as one of their top five receivers. Like, has Adam Thielen in their top five for wide receivers? I haven't found one. Like, the experts who are really high on Adam Thielen kind of view him as, like, wide receiver eight or seven or something like that. But I don't see why Thielen is getting so disrespected. And after Tyreek Hill at wide receiver four, I think there's this big drop-off in wide receivers, and that's you know, evidence of that is just by looking at my draft board. You can see there's a big drop-off there. But Thielen is as good as anybody to be put at wide receiver to be placed at wide receiver five. And I want to retract a little because I do understand, I do realize why Thielen is being disrespected. And it's because last season was a mostly a wipe season due to his bulky hamstring. Like he just not, could not get that hamstring right. And he disappointed a lot of people last year. I mean, I get it. That's fine. But Thielen, prior to injuring the hamstring, was averaging 16.6 points per game. He scored six touchdowns in six games before his first hamstring injury. And yeah, I know touchdowns are kind of fluky, but that was wide receiver nine pace. And there's just so many rankings and so many websites that do not have Thielen as a top 10 wide receiver. And his situation, not only was he a top 10 wide receiver last year, his situation is way better this year. Stephon Diggs is out of the equation. Stephon Diggs got traded. So Thielen is going to get ample opportunity in an offense with an offensive coordinator in Gary Kubiak that just features his number one receivers. Like historically, dating back to the days of like Andre Johnson, Gary Kubiak, he has had in his offenses that he's been either a head coach or an offensive coordinator, Gary Kubiak has had a top 12 PPR wide receiver in 12 of 23 seasons. So more often than not, Kubiak has had a top 12 PPR wide receiver and his number one wide receiver has also finished as a top 24 wide receiver in 19 of 23 seasons. 19 of 23 seasons finishes the top 24 wide receiver. So the absolute worst case for Adam Thielen, in my opinion, his floor is a top 24 wide receiver, which doesn't sound that great. But think about how many great receivers there are this year. Like there's some crazy talent after the top 24, like A.J. Green, Keenan Allen, Scary Terry. I mean, D.K. Metcalf. DJ Chark, Devontae Parker. Uh, there's so many receivers going outside the top 24 in drafts. So the fact that Adam Thielen's floor is top 24, you know, is is a pre- it's a pretty strong floor he has. And two of the years, two of the 19 out of 23 seasons that Kubiak did not have a top 24 receiver were due to injury. And if you exclude those two injury exception years, Gary Kubiak's number one receiver has averaged 144 targets a season in 23 years of being a head coach offensive coordinator. 144 targets a season for his number one receiver. Kubiak features his number one receiver. All these stats, by the way, were brought to you by Ian Hartitz of 
pro football focus. So look at this roster right now and tell me how a healthy Adam Thielen is not going to receive at least 144 targets. And honestly, look at this roster and tell me how he's not going to receive at least 160. That's 10 targets a game. Thielen's only competition for targets at wide receiver right now is Justin Jefferson, who's a rookie wide receiver in a COVID-shortened offseason who is yet to run with the starting with the ones in training camp. The Vikings right now are trotting out BC Johnson and Tajay Sharp as their outside wide receivers. It's 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 true. You can fact check me. And if you don't think that's enough of a reason for Thielen to be flooded with targets, let me remind you that Dalvin Cook right now may hold out. And he was like their third leading target receiver last year. And the Vikings are also not going to be able to run the ball at will and play good defense and control the games like they did last season. Minnesota just lost all three of its cornerbacks to free agency. All three of their starting cornerbacks, basically, to free agency. Linval Joseph, longtime Pro Bowl nose tackle. He's gone. Everson Griffin, great pass rusher. He's gone. In 2020, the Vikings' defense could struggle, forcing them to pass a lot more often than they did last season. So Thielen just could easily catch 100 passes this season just by just staying healthy. And you may be thinking to yourself, okay, well, he's in this great situation now. Like, I get it. But is Thielen really that good? I'll remind you that Thielen opened up the 2018 season with like nine straight 100-yard games, tying Calvin Johnson's NFL record for most 100-yard games in a row. And he hasn't been quite the same since that incredible start of 2018. But Thielen is an extremely talented and gifted wide receiver, extremely underrated athlete, and a great route runner, one of the best route runners in the league. And he can also play in the slot. And they may use Justin Jefferson there, you know, they may not, but Thielen also can play in the slot. So he's got versatility as well. So I love Adam Thielen. He's my wide receiver five. Granted, albeit, you know, there is a pretty steep drop off after Tyree Kill at wide receiver four. But nevertheless, and the other wide receiver that I see kind of ahead of the pack is Odell Beckham, who I have as wide receiver six. Beckham is a more risky prospect than Adam Thielen, in my opinion. I think he's got a probably a higher ceiling because of his talent and a lower floor because of the, uh, the run-first offense that he's in. Thielen's more of a safer PPR pick. But maybe I would take Beckham in non-PPR leagues because it's possible Beckham scores more touchdowns this year and has more big plays. But Beckham is somebody who I have in a little tier with Thielen, just them two, before all the other receivers that we're going to get to in the next episode. And the reason I like Beckham so much is because last season, Beckham played the entire year with the severe sports hernia injury that he sustained in the preseason that required surgery this offseason. And this was a pretty significant injury that he played through. And Beckham also was just an easy fade last year because he had changed teams. And I know there was a lot of hype surrounding Baker Mayfield and Beckham and everything like that, but receivers who change teams way more likely to disappoint than people realize. They have to learn new systems. They have to gel with a new quarterback. Their role isn't established. And Beckham had those issues last year. He struggled with the new offense. He, his, he really lacked chemistry with Baker Mayfield. And the, and the uncreative offense that, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, that Freddie Kitchens ran just forced throws to Odell Beckham. And it was just not a pretty situation. Er, Odell Beckham was third in air yards last year. So like 
theoretical opportunity, but he had career worst for a healthy season across the board just because they lacked chemistry so much and because he was just not healthy. He was not getting open like he normally does with the sports hernia injury. But now he's healthy, and now he's entering the second season with Mayfield. And now the offense is run by Kevin Stefanski. And Kevin Stefanski way more efficient for wide receivers than Freddie Kitchen. So Kevin Stefanski uh, from Minnesota last year, he helped coax Stephon Diggs' most efficient season of his career. According to Tr- Chris Trapasso, Stephon Diggs, who, by the way, is a very similar wide receiver to Odell Beckham, like very similar playing style. Stephon Diggs increased his catches of 30-plus yards from 5 to 30, and he increased his 20-yard catches from 13 to 20 from 2018 without Kevin Stefanski to 2019 with Stefanski. And now Stefanski is the head coach of the Browns, and Beckham stands to gain a massive increase in efficiency on deep targets because of the use of play action that Kevin Stefanski just loves. And, and all of these deep targets suit Odell Beckham's skill set so well. And he may receive fewer targets in a run-first offense than last year, but I just think his efficiency is going to spike. And by the way, Jarvis Landry still recovering from off-season hip surgery. And also, according to Mike Clay, Odell Beckham underachieved in the touchdown department. He had four touchdowns last year compared to six OTDs, which is opportunity touchdowns, and which means that he should find the end zone more in 2020. So I like Odell Beckham a lot, and I'm betting on the concept that last year's down year was mainly due to his injury and being on a new team as opposed to him losing a step or losing his talent. Because we know how talented he can be. He was a top six fantasy wide receiver for like two straight seasons before he had an injury play 2000, um, 2008 season that caused him to miss a lot of games. And then last year, he did play every game, but he played through another injury. So I'm betting on Odell Beckham's talent. And I'm predicting major bounce back seasons for both Odell Beckham and Adam Thielen. And they're just really hard to pass up in the fourth round of PPR drafts. But I also love James Conner, David Johnson, and Mark Andrews. And they play at positions that are more valuable and scarce than wide receiver. So let me sum it up here. If you're following my draft board in the early rounds, if you have a top six pick, you're going running back, you get a top six running back, and then you're taking probably, you know, maybe George Kittle, Julio Jones in round two, maybe Travis Kelsey, maybe Mahomes, maybe Lamar Jackson. And that's assuming that a round two running back doesn't fall to you. And then in round three, you can go James Conner or maybe David Johnson, or you can go David Johnson in round four or Mark Andrews in round four. Or if you ended up with like a Kenyon Drake or, or Miles Sanders or Nick Chubb in round two in like mid round two, and you started RBRB, then you can take James Conner in, in round three as well and start RBRBRB and then Mark Andrews in round four and then peg wide receivers rounds five through seven. I think that's a great start. And if you have a late pick in round one, you're probably going to end up with Josh Jacobs and then maybe Joe Mixon early in round two, depending on his holdout. We'll have to keep an eye out on that and and kind of play that by ear. I'll keep my rankings updated. I am a little concerned about that, but maybe you end up with Joe Mixon in early round two. Maybe it's another one of those running backs like Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, and that's fine. But then maybe in round three comes around, you get James Conner, as your third running back, and then you can go Mark Andrews in round four, and then bam, wide receivers rounds five through seven. Or if you know you're not feeling mixing because of the holdout, 
and, and Devontae Adams is sitting there in a PPR league after you go Josh Jacobs in round one, that's a great option right there. You go Josh Jacobs and then Devontae Adams, and then you go James Conner round three, maybe David Johnson in round four. So you end up with three running backs and a wide receiver, and then you can hit then you can hit wide receivers five through seven. Of course, unless Mark Andrews makes it to round five, that would just be amazing. Or let's say you can only get one of James Conner and DJ in round four, or sorry, in round three, and then in round four you can just take Mark Andrews, and then you have Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, let's say James Conner or David Johnson, Mark Andrews in round four. I mean, that's also a great start. You have one elite wide receiver, one elite tight end, and two top 10 running backs, in my opinion. And regardless, all the starts that I'm going for, they just set you up for rapid firing at wide receiver in rounds five through seven. And we're going to talk about all of that in my next episode, all those wide receivers. So stay tuned for that. And I'll explain why I have Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, Marquise Brown, Will Fuller ahead of some huge names. Why I have those guys ahead of huge names on my 2020 fantasy football draft guide, which has been released. You can find that on fantasylawguide.com. You just open the PDF labeled fantasy law guide on the left-hand side of the page. And next episode, again, talking mid-round receivers. That next podcast, that wide receiver podcast, should be available on Tuesday. I wanted to record it this weekend so I could go ahead and fill out the wide receiver descriptions and explanations on my draft board because currently they're incomplete. But this weekend I do have to go to Oakdale, uh, which is where my wife's family is from, where they're living, and Oakdale got hit pretty hard by Hurricane Laura. So luckily my parents, my in-laws are okay. Everyone's safe up there. But there are just trees laying flat like all over their property. And we're going to go up there and try to help that clean up, cleaning up all that debris there. So we can help get everything back to normal up there after the wake of, of Hurricane Laura. So I won't be able to record the receiver podcast until Monday. I'll probably post it Monday night late. So you'll have it available on your Tuesday morning commute or workout or whenever you like to listen to this podcast. Okay, so that should conclude today's episode. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, do me a favor, hit subscribe, give this podcast a five-star rating. I would greatly appreciate that. I always appreciate your support. You can go check out fantasylawguide.com, ask questions. I'm happy to feature your questions on the podcast. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. See you.